Welcome back, HCAC On Air listeners. We hope you're all staying safe at home. Um, we know this is very interesting times, so we thought we'd bring some podcasts to you to listen to. So again, here today with me, I have Jane Stevenson and John Roberts, the tech expert, back and ready to chat with us about the question of the week from last week. But before we get into that, how are you guys feeling? How are you handling working from home? Um, I'm like home today. Yeah, I'm home today. I'm frustrated because I wish I could do something like cut the grass or something, but I'm, <laughs> I'd much rather be doing a podcast so, so. <laughs> when I'm not cutting grass or making meatballs. I'm podcasting with my friends. I'm hoping that next week you'll bring in some meatballs. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> All right, will do. But so. working from home is is, uh, is cool, though. I, I do enjoy it, and I uh, hope everybody out there is staying healthy and happy. But are we going to uh, follow up on our let's, question of the week from our last well, podcast, Lindsay? Absolutely. Yeah, let's, let's put them out of their misery. I know they're excited to hear what the answer is. <laughs> All so, right. Uh, All waiting right. in anticipation. Um, All right. So the question of the week last week was, what replaces a CR53 KCE or KQE, James, you can correct me, TSV270? replacement. What is that and how do you find it? And so you guys are going to give us the wonderful answer to that question, right? Absolutely. Yes, we are. So it is a KQE and the answer can be found on Copal Mobile. And how easy is it to find this on Copal Mobile, John? It's pretty darn easy, James. All right. Please tell. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, if you're using, there's many ways you can go around it. We're going to use, use Copeland Mobile as an example today. But once you open Copeland Mobile, you'll have a, a field where you can enter the model number. And I believe you can actually even enter the serial number at that particular point, too. And it would validate the model number. Uh, but we're going to enter the model number here. Once again, it's a CR53KQE. Dash PFV. There's no, no need to enter the bill of material or the last three digits. And when you select that, it's going to give you some options of that model where it's used. And we're looking at different refrigerants here, R22 and 407C. It's an air conditioning compressor. There's also the option of 50 or 60 hertz here. So you would choose that option that is closest to your application. I'm going to choose well, the R22. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is pretty easy. You guys are yes, it is. quick step. Yeah. So once I choose, I chose uh, the R22 60 hertz option. It gave me this screen where it shows capacity, application, refrigerant, oil type, and the voltage that I chose. And down on the left-hand side of the screen, there's some other options in Copeland Mobile. And I'm going to let James take it from here. All right. Thank you, John. So on the left-hand side of the screen, you'll have seven or eight different options as far as the mechanical, electrical, performance, where to buy. The one that's going to help the most in this particular instance is going to be the cross-reference button. So after you've selected the compressor, validated everything that John had just mentioned, and you click on cross-reference, it's going to show you on the left-hand side all the OEM bill materials, 170, 270, and so on, and on the right hand is populated with the service model replacement. And on this particular model, you'll notice that every preferred replacement ends with 970, which indicates that this particular model only has one service replacement. So it is designed to replace any compressor listed on the left. 
And if you click on one of those preferred replacements, it gives you the mechanical dimensions. If you go down to the left-hand side where it says bill of materials, it gives you a little more description as to what the 970 has, which it states the suction port size 7 eighths, half-inch discharge, and the electrical connections on this one happen to be screw terminals. So this would be a suitable replacement for any CR53 KQE, regardless of the OEM bill of material. That's right, James. And there's something else that James kind of hit on there. If you would choose a cross-reference selection with that model, the Dash 270, when I choose that one, it actually brings up a comparison of the original model plus the replacement model. So you can actually put them side by side and see if there's any capacity difference as far as performance. You can see mechanical information like the tubing. It shows them side by side. So there won't be any real mystery what you're going to find when you open that box. You can choose any other option, you know, things that you need, maybe an adapter or a different wiring harness or something like that based on what this shows you. So that's how you do it. Copeland Mobile is a good way to do it. It is a great tool. Yep. Plus, it's available right on your phone, so a lot of guys can do this right at the counter or on the job site and then call it into the wholesaler. And uh, you can also, there's a where to buy feature, but you could see that as well if you're looking at the screen, and it could direct you closest person in, or the wholesaler in your proximity to pick up the compressor that you need, who has it in stock. So Copeland Mobile's come a long way over the years, and it's a really valuable tool now for the working guy. Something I, I really like about it is when we are talking to people that found a, a part that they need to replace, they want to verify that through service engineering, which happens quite a bit. We can verify the part number, and then with their zip code, we can see what wholesaler within their area might actually have that on the shelf. And it's uh, incredibly useful to them because those guys need parts don't want to have to order them. They'd like to, sure. to, you know, drive to Abco and pick up what they need and complete their service. Sure. Yeah, and it's all available to them too. They don't even have to contact service engineering for that. It's it's actually available at their fingertips. So it's really a neat tool. For sure. You guys brought up some really good points, especially around the conversation related to bill of materials. So what are the other areas around bill of materials and and that information and why it's important? to understand that and be able to find that information in the field quickly. What do you guys think about that in general? Well, it's important to the guys in the field because, like I said, you don't want to surprise. They want to know exactly what they need when they show up on the job to either, you know, replace the compressor or install the compressor. Trips back to the wholesale counter, there's nothing but time and money wasted there. So that bill of material is going to tell you a little bit about that compressor. What kind of wiring harness it comes with, the tubing connections, um, you know, does the suction tube go up or does it go down or is there a process tube, you know, stuff like that. It's going to tell you that compressor detail, if you will. So it's pretty important. Yeah, and it really comes into play on compressors that have accessories. And uh, something to always keep in mind is that these aftermarket bills, like a 970, you know, those are compressors designed to replace something that's already in service that has certain accessories already in use, such as service valves, molded plugs possibly, uh, DTC valves, you know, certain accessories, they would have to reuse those because service models don't come with that. They would sure. typically come with some mounting components, maybe the occasional molded plug on certain models. It's good to have that information so that when they open the box, they know what to expect. Sure. You know, another thing, too, uh, just understanding the bill of material and how it differentiates the compressors can actually help diagnosing system problems. So when you see that you've got a service bill of material in the system already, 
that is a clue to the technician that this system has already had a compressor failure in it. So if I go on a job and I see I have a service model or that, I think it was that 970, that dash 970, is only available through the wholesaler. So as a service person, I already have an idea that this, this system has failed compressors. So now I might start looking at system issues that could prevent that next failure, if that makes any sense. I've already, without even touching the system in any way, I can look at the compressor and know that, hey, this system might have an issue that causes compressor failures. I'm going to have to take it another step rather than just replacing compressors here. I'm going to have to look for what, what killed these things. Yeah, and if you go back to the first page on Copa Mobile when we pulled up that CR, it shows the applications for it, and every one of them is air conditioning. So if somebody was looking for a service replacement and they know that they're using the CR-53, they got to replace it, but it's in a medium temp cooler, then that might give them give an indication of this could be a hey, misapplication. Yeah. Right, right, right. So it's important to look at the information that's provided because it, it does it does provide more information than I imagine a lot of people might pay attention to, but sure. it is there. And another thing, we used to do a lot of teardowns in the uh, cost program when I was associated with that, and specifically an 800 bill of material would indicate that is a service model, but also that it is a remanufactured compressor. And that means it has been completely remanufactured to new specifications at our facility over in Rushville, Indiana. Kind of leads into our next topic we wanted to get into about the difference between a refurbished compressor and a remanufactured compressor. You know, for those of us that are not as familiar, what exactly is the difference between a refurbished or rebuilt compressor versus a remanufactured compressor with this 800 bill of material? Well, I'll just start this off if that's all right, uh, James. We use the word rebuild when we talk about competitive rebuilders. And Copeland or Emerson remanufactures a compressor. It's completely taken apart, disassembled. Parts are all evaluated on whether they could be reused. The ones that are deemed to be reusable are all re-gauged and re-qualified and separated into different bins and when it's remanufactured, it's all put together as a new compressor. It's not like a compressor comes in like it would at a rebuilder and they evaluate what's wrong with it and maybe just, you know, try to fix it and then put it back out for sale. It, it, it doesn't, that doesn't, it's not what we're doing there in Rushville. It's completely disassembled. The parts are deemed, you know, qualified and deemed ready to be remanufactured and it's built back new uh, with a new serial number. And it's completely different than rebuilding one where you would just maybe evaluate why it failed and replace something cracked, fusite, or something that could be repaired and then just put back out for sale. That's what I call a rebuild versus a remanufacture. So it's essentially yeah, a brand new compressor as a brand new compressor, right. It's, it's used parts, basically. <laughs> the parts have been used in other compressors before, but it's built as new and it has the same warranty as a new compressor. It's, it's a new compressor. Wow. Remember about some of the parts that are and some of the parts that aren't reused. And if I remember right, they don't reuse a large 6D casting. They wouldn't reuse the, the main bearings, correct? Right, right. There's stuff that gets tossed, but, I mean, they do look at the rotor. They do just about everything they can use over the bodies, obviously. The bolts will get all thrown away and stuff like that, but we get a chance every once in a while to get over to Rushville. There's an area where the compressors are torn apart. It's a specialized area where 
it looks like the belly of a pirate ship. It's a dimly lit table, and there's people beating on these things with hammers, and all the people are, like, missing digits and eye patches and all kind of stuff. So it's, <laughs> there's, like, metal flying around all over. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive, but... Uh, we joked about it, and then James went over to see it. He's like, "Man, you were right." <laughs> yeah, so the um, most widely used tool in that in that area was a very large hammer. Yeah, lots of hammers. They have a lot. Of, there's never, yeah, you don't go five feet without a hammer in that place. But yeah, but these it's, bodies it's, are completely. They remachine these things. Like everything absolutely. is done to to very specific tolerances, as if this was going to be a brand new OEM compressor. Yeah. Or got uh, wow. you know I don't even think they reuse the running gear for the no, most part. No. In our first podcast, we talked about adding some items that you folks could look at when we are offline. And I think one thing we're, we're going to try to embed there is uh, a video tour of the assembly line in Rushville. Mike Williams did. You look for that attached to our podcast. Absolutely, and you can easily find that on YouTube as well on the Copeland channel within YouTube. So. We'll make sure that there's a connection to that for sure. All right. Well, I got some meatballs making. What's the next topic? Oh, I want to burn these things. <laughs> man. Um, so, you know, we've talked about bill of materials. Like, in general, do you have a lot of questions around the Copeland nomenclature? And if so, what are the most common questions that you get when it comes to nomenclature on a compressor? You want me to go first on this one? You might as well, James. I feel like I've been talking the whole time. You're doing a great job, man. <laughs> I was one of like the nomenclature has has changed, and we still we get inquiries where, hey, I've got a 25 horsepower compressor. It's uh, not incredibly helpful. Where the nomenclature that's used today on semi-hermetic as well as welded compressors is based on the capacity of that model, not the horsepower. Um, However, it still does apply to, especially to condensing units. Now, I get more questions about bill of materials. Like yesterday, somebody had a 251 bill of material, which they were replacing with a 901, and they wanted to know what the difference was. So that's always a big question. But the mm -hmm. horsepower versus capacity change in the nomenclature from, let's just say, 20 years ago, that nomenclature was more specific towards a horsepower rating versus overall capacity and that's since changed and it can be very confusing that's you know. got to be the number one question when it comes to nomenclature years ago changed much from horsepower to capacity at a rated condition but another thing that comes up as far as nomenclature confusion is motor codes basically that second group of numbers or letters it's a three-digit group in the center of the model number uh, we just talked about a pfv and you'll see tfds and CAVs, there's a lot of different variations there in the motor code, but generally speaking, the first digit in the motor code typically designates what phase the compressor is, whether it be a three phase or a single phase, and there's different letters that associate that to be what phase it is. Second digit in the motor code is the type of protection that the motor has, whether it be a internally protected or externally protected or a core sense protection. And Finally, the last digit would be the voltage that the compressor is going to run at. So there's a lot of information in that uh, little three digits there, and sometimes just variations in that can cause confusion. Good topic right there is the motor code. They can get pretty in-depth, especially if you're replacing an old T is in Tango, W is in Whiskey, D is in Delta. That's an old external motor protector. They've done away with that, and now they're replaced with the TED motor codes, which is enhanced electronic yeah. protection. So. 
they're like, hey, I'm replacing the TWD, and they gave me this TED. I don't understand what the difference is. So it's been enhanced and it's been changed. So that's that's a good one, John. That motor code it can spur a whole other conversation with end users about what they had versus what is being replaced with today. Well, guys, I don't want John's meatballs to burn, so <laughs> I say we. Neither do I. I think we wrap it up. And on that note, what is the question of the week? Well, I know everyone's excited yeah. to hear that. I'm sure they're wringing their hands and wringing them. <laughs> while, we, while we mentioned the old motor code, a question that's come up over and over again, it's pretty frequently asked, is uh, replacing compressors and what motor code can replace another motor code. So t this week's question of the week is, can I replace a compressor with an FSD motor code with a TSK motor code. Can an FSD compressor be replaced by a TSK? So that's our next question of the week. Tough. Do you guys have any hints on where they can find this? I would suggest checking out the nomenclature that's available on Copal Mobile. Absolutely. Specific models because those three characters, like John mentioned earlier, those three characters hold a lot of information about what that motor was designed for and what it can handle, and the precise voltage it was designed for. So with that kind of information, and then compare that with a motor code that you may replace it with, you may be able to match it up. Um, that's true. And another thing you could do uh, from Copal Mobile, since we're kind of highlighting Copal Mobile today, is the Application Engineering Bulletins tab. It's way down at the bottom on the left-hand side. It's a little book. It says AE on it, and it basically brings up a search field for all our application bulletins, which are basically you know, manuals that are written by our application engineering group, like so the stuff that's presented in the cost class and other uh, educational material from Emerson is all built out of these manuals. So if you search motor codes or you could search that motor code that we just gave out, one of the FSD or TSK in that field, and it'll bring you associated application bulletins where there's basically an answer to this question. So. All righty. Well, thanks again, guys. We always appreciate having you on this show. Nice to have some experts. Glad to hear from you, especially since right. we can't see each other. That's right. It's weird times, but looking forward to getting back to normal, that's for sure. Right Definitely. On. Well, all righty. Thank you again, HAC listeners. Um, we you. will have this posted online, and we'll get back to you next week. And as always, follow us at HVAC On Air. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and follow us on ac-heatingconnect.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Copeland Scroll. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.